Well, I just want to uh, say thanks to this uh, incredible tech team that put all this together today. While, while some of you were uh, uh, binging on Netflix movies or uh, arranging your store of toilet paper, uh, the last 48 hours, the tech team has been working tirelessly to, uh, to put this live stream on for you. And I'm just very grateful as I'm watching them, even in the last couple of hours, I'm thinking uh, I would really be stuck if I didn't have them and we would all be stuck. They've done such a marvelous job and I just appreciate them so, so very much. Um, I, you know, I'm thankful for, thankful for our government. The church is a, a friend of government. We, we are a friend of government and God has given us government. The Bible says that, that the government are servants of the Lord. They are servants of the Lord. So I'm, we appreciate the steps they're taking to try to protect us and keep us stay, safe, to try to prevent uh, what has happened in China, what has happened in Italy, to happen here in America. And so we're grateful. And so we're grateful to cooperate and try to keep you safe as possible. We're especially concerned about our most vulnerable citizens, uh, our, our, our parents and grandparents, the elderly, those with type 2, type two diabetes, and... Uh, uh, respiratory conditions and compromised immune systems and we're doing this and I think that's such a Christian thing to do right that's such a a godly thing to do that we would make sacrifices in order to help our most vulnerable people in our society so I I appreciate government and what they're doing to keep us safe and you know another thing I was thinking as I walked up here today I'm really I really feel a closeness with the other churches in my area right now. I don't know, there's just something about this moment to know that so many of us are live streaming right now and we're being watched by probably, probably we'll break attendance records today. We'll probably break attendance records today because more people and you're able to invite your friends and family to be a part of it. And I just feel a special unity. You know, we're learning some new terms right now. We're learning, we're learning uh, uh, the word community spread. Uh, we're learning the term social distancing. Well, you know, God has his form of community spread. And it's the spread of the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and the good news that God is going to take care of you and his people. And, there's, and, and talk about social distancing. I feel that, in a sense, we're going to get closer to you. I feel a closeness with other people right now. And, and so, some of you need to gather in smaller groups. You need to gather in small. You need to get together with the people you love and you care about. And please do that. Please care about the, show love to the people that you care about. Take care of them during this time. This is, a, this is a time for you as God's people to shine. Amen? It's time for you to shine. Well, I want to talk today. I changed my message today. We're in a series um, called Connection, which w would have worked today. But I just felt like the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart to change the, the sermon and preach a message that's related to what we're going through with the coronavirus and the pandemic that's spreading around the world. And so I want to preach a sermon entitled Strategies for Storms. Strategies for Storms. And I want to go to Acts chapter 27, verse 21, and I want to talk about a great apostle, a great man who went through a storm. And it has a lot of similarities to this storm that we're going through. He didn't choose it. It wasn't something he earned or deserved. And he didn't, uh, in fact, we're going to see uh, uh, later that he actually warned them not to sail. 
And if they had not sailed, the storm wouldn't have affected them so much. So it wasn't something that, that, that God had necessarily ordained for his life. You know, some people think that every bad thing that happened, God planned it for your life and he sent it for your life. But the Bible doesn't really teach that. I don't believe. Now, some of my brothers who disagree with me. But the Bible says God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't say he causes all things. He says he causes it, everything to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So that's what happened with the, with the great apostle that we're getting ready to read about. God didn't cause what would eventually cause that ship to break apart and wreck in his life. God didn't cause that thing to happen to them. God warned them so that they could have avoided it, but they didn't avoid it, I suppose. If everybody had done across the world, done exactly what they should have done, we wouldn't be having this pandemic right now. But how many of you figured out that you can't control the storms of life? How many of you just, just realized that it's starting to dawn on you that even with our best technology, even as sophisticated as we are, even, even as we have incredible uh, uh, medical science that does amazing things, we can't control all the storms of life. And so let's, let's read the, the text here in Acts chapter 27. We'll jump off. And I believe, I really believe God's going to give us something today. I believe God's going to give you something that's going to encourage you and reveal his glory and your good. Amen? Acts chapter 27, verse 21. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God, who, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So I want to drop you right now in the middle of somebody else's storm, the great apostle Paul. Now, Paul, his primary identity was not seaman, sailor. His primary identity was not government official. No, it wasn't his identity at all. I shouldn't say primary identity. That was not his identity. Paul's identity was child of God. Paul's identity was a believer. Paul's identity was preacher. Paul's identity was sharing, a sharer of the gospel of the good news to humanity. Paul's identity was a bearer of people's suffering, and Paul's calling was to bring good to the world. Researchers, historians will affirm what I'm about to say, that Apostle Paul is held responsible for the virtues that we cherish in Western civilization. And I won't go into that, but th there's a lot of great virtues that were first heard of from the Apostle Paul. So we know his identity in life, as I said, was not as he wasn't a seaman, he wasn't a sailor, he, he wasn't a government official. Apostle Paul was a child of God. Apostle Paul was committed to doing good for the human race. Paul's primary reason for being there was that his inclusion of people outside of the nation of, of Israel, 
His inclusion of people outside of the nation of Israel in the good news that God wants to save all of humanity upset the Jewish authorities. It upset the Jewish authorities that Paul's inclusivity of people outside of the Jewish race were also to be hearers and sharers of the good news that Christ came to save the world. That upset the Jewish, some of the Jewish authorities. And so those Jewish authorities stirred up trouble with the Roman Empire, and they trumped up charges against Apostle Paul, which ultimately resulted in his arrest. And then he, he, because he appealed to Caesar, he was taken to Rome. So Paul finds himself in this position, not because he'd done anything wrong, but because he had done something right. You need to understand that about storms. Sometimes, you're, sometimes we assume that if somebody's in a storm, it's because they did something wrong. But no, no. Sometimes doing something right will put you in a storm. And I want you to know something. I'd rather be in a storm because, uh, that, that, that's in the will of God than to be in a luxurious hotel somewhere out of the will of God. I'd rather be in a storm because I did something right than any other place I would, I, would, I would hope to be right now. So Paul's predicament is he, he wasn't in a storm by choice, though. And what was Paul's power? What was his power? Paul thought that being a believer in Christ and a bearer of good news qualified him to be necessary in the storm. Paul thought that being in relationship with a living God qualified him to be significant. Paul didn't sit down and say, well, I'm not, I'm not a seaman, I'm not a sailor, I'm not, I don't have the credentials, to, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. No, Paul thought that being a child of God qualified him to make a positive difference in the lives of the other people in that storm. So today I want to give you three strategies for a storm. Strategy number one, act as if you matter. Act as if you matter. Acts chapter 27, verse 9. We read it before. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our lives also. Now here we have it. A shackled Paul with no positional authority who said to himself, I, because I'm a child of God, because I'm a bearer of good news, because I'm God's person, because I'm God's child, I have something to contribute. I, I have, I have uh, responsibility. I have a responsibility to the other people on the ship. See, Paul was a warrior, not a victim. There's a difference between a, being a warrior. In life, you're going to either see yourself as a victim or see yourself as a warrior. In times of stress, we don't need people who see themselves as victims. We need people who see themselves as warriors. A warrior is above all a person who goes to war with their own emotions. A war is a person who goes to war with their own emotions and wins that battle. You know, Paul could have wanted people to elevate him because he felt sorry for himself. Uh, Paul could have, uh, could, have, could have lived in a state of offense because he was being unjustly persecuted. He didn't deserve to be in this place. 
Paul could have tried to use that as his, as his, uh, as his uh, uh, means of getting attention, right? But, but the Apostle Paul became a leader because he found himself necessary, not because he, he, anybody owed him anything. You know, uh, 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 people, some people, I know some people who live in a state of offense. And, 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 and they're waiting on the world to apologize to them in order to have power. Paul was owed, owed an apology for being in, in that storm, but people who go through life offended and looking for apologies never make a positive difference in the world. People who go through life thinking about their... People who go through life thinking about their... Uh, the, the unfairness of the situation that they're in. Thinking about how they're a victim never make a positive difference in the world. Here's the thing. Character, faith, and confidence are what make you matter in a storm, not where you are on an organizational chart. You know, I see this, I've seen this throughout my ministry life, that there are always people who feel like if I had a position of authority... If I, had a, if I had a title, then I could really be effective. I could really make a difference. But Apostle Paul, didn't, he knew that he didn't need a title to make a difference in this storm. He knew that he was a leader because of his identity with Christ. To have a life of meaning, you must move beyond your need to feel significant and in your calling to be useful. Now hang on with me here for a minute. I'll, I'll make this real to you in a moment. Viktor Frankl, who... Uh, endured five concentration camps and wrote a book on the meaning of life. Said it's not what you ask of life, but what life asks of you. The storm that we're in, the the coronavirus, I mean the, the, the coronavirus epidemic that we're in, the pandemic that we're in, is asking things of us. And we as God's people must make a decision. What are the opportunities right now for people whose primary aim in life is to make other people feel cared for? What are the opportunities that this storm is giving us? A um, Portuguese uh, hotel owner in Portugal has made all, turned all of his hotels into hospitals. That's what I mean by serving in the storm. That's what I mean by finding significance in the storm, not by position or by title, but finding significance in the storm by making, being the best you can be and making yourself useful. You know, I, I find that there are all kinds of things that we can do. It, it, it seems that there's all kinds of things that we can do right now in this storm that we're in. You know, a very simple thing that someone told me a couple of days ago, they said, you know, the, the people are telling us to wash our hands a lot, right? How many of you are washing your hands a lot? And uh, people are telling us to wash your hands, and you're, you're supposed to sing happy birthday while you wash your hands. And that, whatever that takes, 30 seconds to sing happy birthday, I don't know, that's how long you're to wash your hands. It's, I thought somebody had a great idea, that instead of singing happy birthday, why don't we pray every time we wash our hands? What if we stopped and we prayed for all the people that are affected by this storm? Some people are really hurting because of this pandemic. The 
waitresses and waiters who depend on people to come to their restaurants, the Uber drivers, the, the people in the service industry, the people in the travel industry are really hurting, and the people who need the money the most are the ones who are hurt first. The big corporations and those at the top of those corporations, they have the ability to withstand a storm economically. But, but the, 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 the service providers, the, the people who clean the rooms in the hotels, the, the waitresses and the waiters, and as I said, the Uber drivers and taxi drivers, those people don't have any margin. So we need to be, be thinking about them. And, and what about the health workers that are exposed to, will be exposed to this virus and, and are going to be worked and overworked in the weeks to come if everything goes as people predict? Listen, we have a huge opportunity to be a difference maker. And what about, what about the elderly? You know, maybe you could go grocery shopping for the elderly people that you know. You could go make sure that they're okay. You could check in on them. And, we, you know, we don't everybody check in on them or we might take the, take the virus to them. But, but you, ha you know the people in your life that matter to you. I, I believe this is a time, friends, to focus on those individuals who already matter to us, but maybe we've neglected. Because I know if, if your life is like mine, sometimes we, sometimes we forget the people that are closest to us. And we're not because life gets busy. Well... Life's less busy for some of you, so use that time to begin to care about people in your life. So that, uh, it, it seems, you know, sometimes it seems like the average person in America today uh, believes that um, utopia is just waiting on the uh, right government policy or the right political movement or the right election. And those things matter but it is Christ himself who promised a new heaven and a new earth. And that even now we can have eternal love of Christ guiding our lives, which brings me to the next storm strategy. Strategy number two, loosen your grip on the material world. It says in Acts chapter 27, verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of those will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. And notice what it said. The ship will be destroyed. You know, storms have a tendency to devastate our material world. Storms have a tendency to destroy what we call temporal things. Things. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible says that says everything that's shaken can be shaken will be shaken. So we're talking about the temporal things, things like your your 401k. A, a, a man told me yesterday that he had seen his retirement fund go down by $120,000 this week. So those things that are temporal tend to be destroyed by storms or they tend to be hurt by storms and so we need to think about that you know even even without a catastrophe and this is something we forget even without a catastrophe all of us we're already in a storm that is taking away our material world let me explain yesterday yesterday I had a meeting you know, I'll be 65 years old this summer. I know, I know it looked like it. 
and nobody would have guessed it. There's people all in their living rooms, all over the, all over the community, just their jaws are dropping open because they can't believe I could possibly be 64 in some months. Yesterday, guess what I did, guys? Yesterday, I met with a Medicare specialist and a financial planner. And uh, believe me, he has plans for my life. He has plans for the end of my life. And, you know, it, it caused me to think about it. And we talked about my house, and we talked about the value of my house. And, and you know, I, Sherry and I, we love our house. And we, we talk about downsizing, and we kind of think we should. And I got this in-ground pool that I literally despise because nobody uses it, but I still have to keep it up. And so if, if anybody wants to buy a pool, I, I will stay at the house if you can take the pool away. <laughs> but, but, you know, but we love this house. And when we go around and look at other houses, we just can't find anything. We, but, you know, as I, as I drove away from that guy's office yesterday, I thought, you know, I'm going to lose my house. I can't keep that house. Now, I may not lose it this year. I, I may keep it another five years. I may keep it another 10 years. But... I cannot, in the end, keep the house that I love and that I really enjoy living in. And I've paid for with my, with Sherry and I have paid for with our, our hard-earned money. We cannot keep that house because life is a storm that's taking us all, taking everything that we treasure, and it's taking it away. No wonder the Bible says, and our master said, lay it lay Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break in and steal. Now, now, now don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. God does bless us with things. He certainly does. Uh, it, but but it, it's hard even for people of faith. I know a lot of people of faith who've reduced their faith to getting their next temporal blessing. They've reduced their faith to getting the house or the car or even, even, the, even getting married or something like that. They, they've reduced their faith to something that time will eventually take away from them. There's an old song we used to sing that said, Hold to God's unchanging hand. It said, the other lyrics to that song, will build your faith on things eternal. Whole to God's unchanging hand. So my, my hope in prayer is we will see this swine, this uh, certain about swine flu, because we, we do, we've already seen that, that we, we will see the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, that we will see this in our rearview mirror in a few weeks. That's my hope in my prayer, because I do believe in the material world matters, and it's important, and God gave it to us to be stewards over it and to enjoy it. He says it very clearly in his word that we're enjoy all things. God's give them, give them to give these things to us to enjoy, but not to worship. And, and so uh, I hope we see this, uh, my hope in prayers, we see this in our rearview mirror, mirror like we do the swine flu and the H1N1 and Ebola. That, and, and that's what I really believe. And in fact, our Surgeon General, uh, Jerome Adams, says that 99% of those of you who get the coronavirus will survive. That's pretty encouraging, right? So I, I'm, I'm very hopeful 
uh, I have a great deal of confidence in our, our scientists and, and uh, the Center for Disease Control and for our private sector in the West, in America. I have a great deal of confidence in them. So I'm, I'm very, very hopeful. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is still, my friends, an eternal hope. Do not store, I, 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 I quoted, kind of half quoted it a minute ago, but let me give you the whole verse. Matthew 6, 19, do not store for yourselves treasures in earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. By the way, by the way, the hope of heaven doesn't make you less useful for earth. It makes you more useful for earth. Because it makes you more generous with what you have. If, if, if my generosity is going to go on and reward me in the next life, I'm going to be more charitable and more generous with, with what I have, right? So this is, it, it is a false statement to say he is, she is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. In fact, the, pro, the problem is they're probably not heavenly minded enough. So what is strategy number three? Strategy number three is reconnect with God and deal with stress. T.D. Jack said this weekend, you may not have contracted the virus, but you may have ingested the stress. <laughs> but now I urge you, Paul says, to keep up your courage because not one of us you will, be will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Paul says, Be encouraged. That's a word from God for America right now. That's a word from God, from the church of Jesus Christ. Government has a role, and they need to play their role. But the role of the church of Jesus Christ is to bring courage to the culture. The role of the church of Jesus Christ is to bring faith and hope and love to the world that we live in. This is the church's finest hour, my friend. This is the church's finest hour. We have the opportunity to stand up and say, we know God has a plan. And we know that God cares. And we know that we may lose some things. We may lose some money out of our 401k. We may lose some components of our economy for a while. I believe they, I believe they will come back. But the purpose for which we've been put on the planet will not be lost. You know what I believe? I believe I am indestructible when God is done with me. And if God is done with me, why do I want to stay here? Amen? Ann Gurgis shared this on social media just this morning, and I told her, I said, that's so good, I'm going to share it in the sermon today, Ann. You are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control. But you never had control. <laughs> All you had was anxiety. Boy, isn't that good? I, I, don't, I don't think that's on, on your screen, so I'm going to read it again. You're afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control, but you never had control. All you had was anxiety. Listen, 
I know that there's parts of the Bible some of us block out. But plagues and storms and pestilence are prophesied in the Bible. Now, now that doesn't mean we should welcome them and say, thank God the word of God is coming to pass. No. But the main reason Jesus came was to reconnect humanity to the earthly father. To connect, to connect dis, d, humans who were being destroyed with an eternal principle that would cause us to live forever. That God didn't cause the shipwreck. He tried to help them avoid it. But listen, God, let, let, this is so important for you. I, I want everybody to hear this. If, if you haven't even been listening, if you've been going out to the kitchen or whatever in the last few minutes, or, or that part where I got really boring, you, you went and did something else, it, let me have your full attention. God didn't cancel his plans for Paul because of the pending shipwreck. And God hasn't canceled his plans for you because of the coronavirus. Amen? Secondly, God, in fact, used the storm to complete his plan for Paul's life. God used a shipwreck to put Paul on an island. And if you want to follow the narrative for yourself, go to Acts chapter 27, and you see that Paul began to minister to the sick and preach the gospel on the island because the, the, the storm took him to where God could use him. Amen? I know I've told th this little anecdote many times to my congregation. Some of you are new to our church, so maybe you haven't heard it. But many of you are aware that I had two separate bouts with cancer. In 2015, I had cancer, and then two years later, it came back, and I had radiation. And I got to drive to the hospital 40 days straight for radiation treatments. And it was awesome. It was fun, <laughs> right? Uh, no, my, I always say that uh, I, I tell, but my big joke is I wouldn't take a million dollars for the experience, but I wouldn't give you 15 cents to do it again. Uh, <laughs> but I remember when I got diagnosed and I met like three of my best friends, one in particular is a man some of you have met named Dennis Burrell. And the first words out of Dennis' mouth when I told him I was diagnosed with cancer I was expecting some pity. That's what I really wanted. I, wa I wanted a little poor, poor baby talk, you know? Oh man, we're gonna be praying for you, brother. No, you know, Dennis, he got a big smile on his face. And he said, I can't wait to see what God's gonna do with this. And I know I tell that story, and some of you are all your eyes, he's telling that story again. <laughs> I know I tell that story here at Bethany a lot because that story has become thematic in my life. There was so much, you know, there was so much in that for me that that story has become a guiding principle of my life. I can't tell you, I know Steve Johnson sitting here and he's a, he was a member, he was a member of, De member of Dennis's church for 25 years until I stole him and brought him to Bethany. And so I know this will resonate with you that uh, when that becomes a principle of life, it, it, Here's the thing. Let me, let, me, let me stop. Say what I want to say. Truth is portable. When you, you, one way you know you have truth is it's portable. It'll work in this situation, and it'll work in the other situation, and the other situation. It'll work in a storm in the Mediterranean Sea nearly 2,000 years ago, and it'll work in a, in a pandemic in 2020. You know you've got truth. And that's what we have to 
to share with you today. That's what the, why the Bible, I know it's my iPad, but it's the Bible. That's why the Bible is so important because it's got portable truth that will work in your marriage. It will work at your job. It'll work in the church. It'll work in the culture. And it'll work in a storm. Amen? And so, almost every time something bad happens to me, Almost every time there's a disappointment. Life is full of disappointments. Life is full of setbacks. What Dennis said to me comes to my mind. I can't wait to see what God is going to do with this. You know, can we apply that to the coronavirus? I'm telling you, there, there are people hearing this, this message and many other thousands and thousands of sermons right now across the United States. There are people caring for each other. There, you're, you're gonna, you just wait. The stories are going to be, there are going to be books written about what people, how human beings and the, the, God's love flowed through people during this, during this storm. Isaiah 40, 30. Here's my closing verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount it with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, today I know I'm looking at some people. You're not looking, you're, you're looking at me anyway. I'm not looking at you, but you're looking at me. And you haven't prayed in a long time. Uh, some of you have never accepted God's offer for grace. That when you put Jesus on the pedestal of your life and your heart that God looks on you with grace and favor that that you are connected with the eternal love of God when you put Jesus central in your life you see every one of you whether you realize it or not you have an altar in your heart you may not know it but you have an altar in your heart and you put, every one of you put things on that altar. Some of you have your money on that altar. Some of you have your career on that altar. Some of you have a relationship on that altar. Some of you have a specific pleasure on that altar. If you do, it's probably you calling it a deduction by now if you've had it very long. God says, I'll make a deal with you. If you will put Jesus on that altar instead of your career, instead of your relationship, instead of your money, instead of your favorite pleasure, if you will put Jesus on that altar, then I will, I will give you a perspective that will transform the way you see life. And not only that, I will save you eternally. You will receive eternal love. N not because I'm capricious and I'm moody and I don't like these people who don't, who don't love my son and I love these people who don't, but because you are, you are, uh, you are moving into, you, you're moving into applying a power that is unstoppable. You see, there's a, there's a dark force that doesn't want you to have this. There's a dark force out there that doesn't want you to have it. You call it Satan, the devil, call it whatever you want. There's a dark force that doesn't want you to have life. But there, and there's one name that he respects. There's one name that the dark forces can't overcome, and that's the name of Jesus. That's the power of Jesus. 
It's not because God is arbitrary, but it's because God has sent his son to counteract and destroy. Here's the scripture. The Bible says, for this cause was the son of man made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So the dark forces are powerless at the presence and person and name of Jesus. So if you will take all those other things off that altar right now, and you'll put Jesus on that altar, and the Bible says it this way. Biblical terminology is you confess him as Lord. That's the biblical terminology. Now, you may not want to use the biblical terminology. I don't care. But you know what it means. You know what it means to make Jesus your object of worship. That you make Jesus your object of the one you want to please. That you make Jesus the object of... Uh, you, you make Jesus your, your Sherpa up the mountain of grace. You make Jesus your, your paradigm and your model. You make Jesus your model for what you want to be. You make him as the model of the finest human who ever lived. And you make him the savior of your life and the savior of this whole planet. That's the transition and the transaction I'm asking. I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to ask you, I'll tell you what you do. You don't, you don't have to pray these words exactly what I pray. All you got to do, there's a, there's a little word. There's a wonderful church word called amen. Amen, Chris, means so be it. All you got to do is listen to what I'm going to pray. And then when I'm done praying, say amen. That's how easy it is. That's how simple it is for you to transition from being a worshiper of stuff and things and things that storms can destroy to being a worshiper of one that no strong storm was ever to destroy. In fact, he endured the storm of execution and he rose from the dead. So you're in good hands with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now. I recognize I need a savior. I recognize, Father, that I need forgiveness of my sins. I recognize, Father, that I need to replace the, the, the object on my altar of things that cannot last eternally to one who has created eternity and one who is eternal. And so I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I make Jesus Christ the center of my worship. I make Jesus Christ my greatest treasure today from this day forward. I recognize my mind will wonder. I will once again tomorrow or the next day. I want to put back that thing that I took off today. But again, I'm going to believe that your power, and I'm going to trust your power to always remind me, and I believe you're going to put your Holy Spirit inside of me so that the Holy Spirit who will begin to live in me and talk to me and guide me will guide me through the storms of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And we, as far as we know, we will be doing the same thing next Sunday. Be looking for announcements. Uh, possibility we will change the time and have the earlier service on, uh, uh, on live stream. Uh, we don't know right now for sure. So be watching our social media. And for those of you in, in the church, you should be on our text message feed. If you're not on our text message feed, please give us a call this week or email us and let us know. We'll make sure you get on it. And God bless you. Really enjoy the, the, the rest of your day. Keep flowing, remember, in faith, hope, and love. God bless you.